All right, well, good morning. Welcome uh, again to Hope. My name's Josh. I'm one of the pastors at our Ankeny campus, um, but I actually have ties to Hope Des Moines. A long time ago, three years ago, uh, when Hope Des Moines was still meeting at an elementary school, at Hubble Elementary, I was there for a little bit of time, so uh, there's still a few faces that I recognize in the crowd, but it's great to see so many new people. Uh, praise God for the growth that's been happening here and this new facility and all that. So um, I show that clip to get started here this morning because I think it, it points to this great aspect of uh, the human condition, of, of life for us. Um, we all struggle with being out of control, right? Like all of us, we want to be in charge. We want to look life in the face and say, you belong to me now. That was, that was pretty good, right? I'm available for, I'm available for uh, imitations and that kind of thing on the side. Pastor job doesn't pay that much, so uh, feel free to give me a call. Uh, just kidding. So, right? But we want to be in control. We want to be in charge. But the scriptures, uh, our scripture reading today especially, it points to a different reality. It points to somebody else being in control, being in charge. Uh, if you want to open up your Bibles again to Psalm 19... Starting in verse 1, it's up on the screen also, so let's, let's read this all together. Psalm 19, the first sentence of verse 1. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. Not the glory of Josh, not the glory of any one of us, but the glory of God. The, the heavens proclaim, the skies uh, declare this. Without words, they get this message across that God's kind of a big deal. Psalm 19 actually goes on to say in verse 7, the instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. Now, that sounds nice. I mean, it definitely points to God being in charge. He's the one giving instructions, right? But when is the last time for any of us that uh, we found instructions given by somebody to be a soul-refreshing, soul-reviving thing? I mean, the last time your wife or your husband, uh, your roommate, they asked you to take out the trash, and you were like, you know, that would revive my soul to do that, to, to go and... <laughs> Or your parents ask you to clean your room, your boss asks you to stay late on a Friday afternoon to finish this report, that would revive my soul to do that. Thanks. Yeah, I'll get right on that. That's just not who we are as human beings. It's, it's, not, what we're, uh, it's not what we're inclined to do. We want to be in control. So we're in this uh, series called Songs for the Summer right now. We've been uh, looking at some different worship songs and how they uh, help us uh, understand who God is, what we're called to be as uh, Christians. So today we're looking at this song, No One Higher. And the lyrics of the song, it kind of gets the point across pretty easily. Here's uh, some of the lyrics. There's no one higher, no one greater, no one like our God. Simple enough, right? Except the fact that right, we really want to be in control a lot of the times. But as Christians, this is the kind of thing we're called to, that we're not in charge, that God's in charge, that we take our direction, our instruction in life from him. We've been learning a little about who God is over the past few weeks. Uh, a few weeks ago, we looked at this idea of God is a good, good father. This uh, story in Luke 15 of the prodigal son, this uh, father has a son, his younger son, who comes to him, asks for his inheritance, share the inheritance, and then goes and squanders it on wild living and all this kind of stuff. And then finally one day he comes to his senses. He realizes that he's kind of exploited his father's love. And so he decides he's going to come back to his father, asked to work just as one of the hired slaves because he has nothing to eat. He's wasted all of the money and 
There's just nothing good in life for him right now. And so he heads back to his father, but God is the type of loving father who, while this son is still a long way off, God comes running to him. See, that's what makes Christianity unique among world religions. So we have this loving father who enters into the mess of our circumstances, gets involved, gets engaged in whatever's going on in our lives. God is this loving father that we can wrap our arms around, give him a hug. But at the same time, God is also uh, this all-powerful king. There's no one higher than him. Compels us to bow to him. And if there's no one higher, if God's in charge, that means that we're not. So what do you do with that? How does that change how you live? I don't know about you, but I kind of like being in control of things. I'm the type of person, my personality, I like to make lists. Anybody else? You like to make plans like far in advance and man, if those plans are going to change, you're going to have trouble with me. Like I'm going to get so stressed out and uh, that might sound to some of you like a really boring kind of life that everything has to be planned out and there's all these lists and uh, that just, you're like, Josh, you have a problem with control. Like you need to get counseling or something for that. But I'll tell you like that who, who are kind of the opposite. You've got your own version of control that you like to exert over life. I mean, if you don't like the list, if you don't like plans, then maybe you're like this. Well, I just kind of want to fly by the seat of my pants. I don't want to be tied down to any plans. I want to have the freedom to make kind of decisions as I go, and we'll just see. You see, and that's its own kind of control. You don't want to be controlled by other people, and that's, you know, exerting control of your own. I think we all in some way struggle with this idea of control, and I want to ask you this question this morning. Where in your life are you fighting for control? Where in your life are you fighting for control? I think we all do it. Maybe for you, you're fighting for control of your future, what that's going to look like. Maybe your finances, your family, to control your feelings, to control your reputation in life. Where in your life are you fighting for control? I want to share the story of a guy uh, who's part of the Hope community. Uh, his name's Andy Brommel. So Andy, uh, when he was in his early 20s, he was in a fight for control of his life. As much as he wanted to deny it, as much as he wanted to pretend that he was in control, alcohol had this controlling grip on his life. Take a look at the first part of his story. So I think one of the powerful parts of Andy's story, and maybe a little eerie for some of us, for many of us, is that for much of his time struggling with alcohol, on the outside it seemed like everything was fine. Family, good job, life seemed to be put together, but just beneath the surface, there's a different story that was playing out. Have you ever been there? Maybe you're there right now. And it can be exhausting to live that way, to, to have this veil in front of your life to kind of block out all of the imperfections and the flaws and the mistakes and the challenges and the struggles that you have. It can be exhausting to try to make this front for your life, to not be honest about what's going on. 
But I want to remind you this morning, I want to tell you this morning, maybe for the first time, you don't have to live that way. You don't have to live that way. There's a different way, and it's the way that Andy discovered. Andy confessed to his friend. He was an alcoholic. He struggled with control, and um, as he did that, he started to admit that he was powerless, that his life had become unmanageable, that he was not in control. And you see, as soon as he started to admit that, that's when God got to work in his life. Uh, a few days later, Andy showed up at Celebrate Recovery. It's a ministry uh, that we have at our West Des Moines campus on Thursday nights. It's actually a ministry we're going to be launching in Ankeny in January. So Andy shows up at Celebrate Recovery. It's a Christian recovery ministry started 25 years ago at a church in California, uh, rooted in scripture and based in part on the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, the 12 steps uh, of recovery. So this ministry, it's all about bringing freedom to people. Freedom from whatever people struggle with. It's not just for alcoholics. We all struggle with hurts, habits, hang-ups in our lives. And Celebrate Recovery is all about bringing freedom to us. Maybe, I mean, it's freedom for those of us who are struggling with anxiety. Freedom for those of us who struggle with pornography. Freedom for those of us who are tangled up in toxic relationships. Maybe we struggle with our own self-image, being able to trust other people. Whatever it is, at one point or another in our lives, I think we all are probably in need of some form of recovery or another. Because the truth is that we all fail to miss this first step in recovery, the first step of AA, part of the Alcoholics Anonymous story. This is step one. Let's read this together. We admitted we were powerless, that our lives had become unmanageable. Have you ever been there? And that point where you're just tired and exhausted and weary of trying to control everything in your life and keep this veil up, and finally we get to this point where we realize that we're not in control. That life as we know it has become unmanageable for us. And he discovered that. And it can be really intimidating. It can be scary to uh, walk out and take that first step. It's not really a step that many people like to take. Places like Ankeny, I think even in places like Des Moines, uh, you know, we like to pretend that our lives are all put together. And we work really hard to get that message across. But we all know that's not the reality of our humanness. And so it's scary to take that first step to admit that we're powerless but the good thing is, the good news is that we're not stepping out into nothing all by ourselves. God, our Heavenly Father, is with us. Remember that good, good Father that promises to be with us at all times? It's what the song No One Higher is going to remind us about. At the very beginning of the song, it goes like this. Our Father, Creator, you hold our hearts together. There's no one higher than you. See, God is this loving Father in addition to being this all-powerful king. You want to open your Bibles close to uh, Psalm 19, just the psalm before, Psalm 18, starting in verse 16. 
Psalm 18, starting in verse 16. I'm just going to read a few verses here. God reached down from heaven and rescued me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemies, from those who hated me and were too strong for me. They attacked me at a moment when I was in distress, but the Lord supported me. He led me to a place of safety. He rescued me because he delights in me. See, we don't worship this God who's some distant, detached deity. God is not some cold and calculated chess player who's playing this cosmic game with our lives. God has the power and the interest to work all things in our lives together for his good, for our good and his glory. It's a promise that we see time and again in Scripture. God enters into the midst of our story, even when we're powerless to fix our situation. God reaches out and he rescues us. God's powerful enough. He delights to bring restoration to our lives. Something we have to understand if we're going to continue on this journey of recovery. We admit that we're powerless, then we have to come to believe that there's a higher power out there. And for us as Christians, we believe that higher power is God. This is uh, step two of the recovery journey. Let's read this together. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. In God's power, he reaches out. He rescues us. When we admit that we're powerless, when we start to believe in God's power, that's when everything can start to change for us. It was what Andy found to be true. Here's the second part of Andy's story. Take a look. The thing that's awesome about my job is I get to hear stories like that all the time. I know God is up to some incredible things in the lives of people at Lutheran Church of Hope in churches all over the place. And so can we praise God for what he's up to? So we admit that we're powerless. We start to believe that there's a power greater than ourselves, God who can restore our lives to sanity. And we get to this third step of the recovery process. And don't worry, this is the last step that we're going to talk about today. We're not going through all 12 steps, so we'll be done soon. Let's read this together. This is step three. We made a decision to turn our lives and our wills over to the care of God. Do you believe that God is powerful enough to break whatever chain is holding you captive today? That God, your heavenly Father, he's passionate enough about you and your situation, your struggles, that he's reaching out He's offering his hand to pull you up out of whatever you're struggling with, to provide freedom for you. So that's the truth, and it's incredible news. But it's not the end of the story. Like Andy talked about, celebrate recovery, it isn't just about fixing yourself. Christianity is not just about fixing yourself. It's not just some, help, some self-help tool. It's about building the kingdom. It's about reaching out to other people. Just as our Heavenly Father has reached out to us. 
And that's the mission of this church. That's why we exist as Lutheran Church of Hope. That's our purpose, is to reach out. And maybe uh, you haven't heard this before. Maybe um, you have and you've just kind of forgotten some of the wording. I want to remind us of our mission statement as a church. So let's read this together. Reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. To reach out, to share Jesus' love. And I want to tell you something this morning. Because this mission, this mission is too big for uh, your staff here at Hope Des Moines, the staff of Lutheran Church of Hope to accomplish on our own. This mission, it's too big for the current pool of volunteers to accomplish on their own. There's kids that are going to continue to come to Hope Des Moines that need people to share Jesus' love with them through Hope Kids. We need a team of people who can help reach out and welcome people on the weekends, to help with Breakfast Club, to serve in all sorts of different ministries, to be part of small groups, so that we can continue to reach out to people. Reach out. Share Jesus' love. There's a place for each and every one of us in this mission. We need you. God needs you. It's no accident that you're here. We're called to reach out. <clears throat> and part of the reason that that's important, part of the reason that we need each and every one of us involved is because you know people that none of the rest of us know. You're in relationship, you're in community with people, coworkers, family members, neighbors. And they might be going through something just like Andy was going through. And it took one of Andy's friends a willingness just to push a little bit deeper. Are you sure there's nothing that's going on? Are you sure there's nothing more? God's calling each and every one of us to reach out like that. To push a little bit deeper. The truth is, this world is in need of people who are willing to reach out. In the midst of the pain and the hurting and the suffering that we experience, we need people who can reach out. I grew up in Orlando, Florida. Uh, lived there since I was in fourth grade. Went to Florida State University. I'm a proud Floridian in that regard. Uh, so in Orlando, though, my parents still live there. My uh, dad's a pastor. My mom's a teacher. And so I've been hearing firsthand uh, of the effects of the mass shooting that happened there a few weeks ago. I know we've probably talked about this a lot, but I think it's important. Because there's a place for our mission of reaching out to the world around us that comes face to face with the reality of our world in times like this. There's a lot of feelings of powerlessness, of frustration, of pain in the wake of this tragedy and so many other tragedies around the country. My dad was telling me a story about a memorial service that took place for some of the victims uh, of this tragedy. It took place at Reformation Lutheran Church in downtown Orlando, just a few blocks from uh, the Pulse nightclub where the shooting took place. He said uh, in the back row of this memorial service uh, at the church, there was this Florida Highway Patrol officer, all decked out in his uniform and Kevlar vest, everything, he was ready to go. 
He was sitting in the back row, and as the service was going on, started to read the names of some of the victims of the tragedy, and they would toll a bell for each victim. They got to one particular name, and this officer, he started to weep. Turns out one of his buddies on a softball team with him had been killed in the attack. So this officer is sitting in the back row of this church, crying. In the midst of you know, his uniform and his Kevlar vest and everything that makes him feel safe and secure, and yet still, there's powerlessness. There's things beyond his control. So one of my dad's uh, friends, another pastor in Orlando, he notices that the, this guy is crying. He's actually seating, uh, seated, seated right next to this guy. So he looks over, he notices that the officer's crying, so he reaches out his hand, puts his hand on his shoulder, and says to the officer, in God's house, no one should cry alone. In God's house, no one should cry alone. In God's family, no one should struggle alone. No one should have to deal with their hurts, habits, and hang-ups alone. God reached out, he rescued us, and he calls us to do the same for other people. It's not easy, but it's worth it. In the midst of the uncertainty of uh, entering into the mess of your own life, dealing with your own recovery, in the midst of entering into the mess of other people's lives as you deal with their recovery, there can be a lot of uncertainty. There can be a lot of risk involved. But there's also one thing that remains certain throughout all of it. It's the sure and certain hope of the love and the presence of our Father throughout all of our life. God reaches out. He rescues us. He walks with us. In God's house, no one should cry alone.